solution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. Hello, 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 everyone. We are back. I know you're like, whose voice is this? <laughs> this is Amadi, and this is the House to House podcast. Goo is in the building. As you know, we advance our father's kingdom one house at a time. Please check out our podcast at divemedia.co. That is divemedia.co. I would give you all the backslash stuff, but once you click on the main website, you'll find House to House. Click on podcast and go to House to House. But... We're back. We are here to eventually get you to the understanding that God's kingdom is coming to the earth. And we know it's been a while. You want to say what's up to the people, Goo? We're coming out of the woods, man. (laughs) It's been a while. Right. You guys can't see me, but I got a really thick John the Baptist beard going on right now. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like I've been in the wilderness, right? I got sackcloth. I've been fed by ravens. Eating uh, honey. Yeah, right. I've been eating honey. <laughs> right. I'm ready to start dunking jokers now. Get get to the water. I'm ready to start dunking, y'all. Anyway, all jokes aside, we are glad to be back with you all, and we have a special guest today. We're going to be tackling some serious topics, as you guys always know we do. And so we, we thank you for listening. We thank you for subscribing. As always, you can ingest our podcast wherever they are disseminated. So we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, everywhere you can get podcasts, you can find House to House. So thank you all for your support. And as we jump into it, we have a special guest with us. Like I shared, he is no stranger to this show. You've heard him on here multiple times. Our good friend, great brother, a father in the Lord, Dana Thompson, all the way from the great state of Texas. Dana, want to say hello to the good peoples today. Hello. From the great state of Texas, where everything is big here. (laughs) (laughs) Everything big. Even politics, very big. (laughs) (laughs) Good to be with you guys, man. Always great to be with you guys. Awesome. And it's always always wonderful to have you. Yeah. So as you guys can tell, we are still using Zoom because we are still on. If you're listening to this podcast in the future, there was a quarantine back in 2020, but if you're listening to us live right now, we are still all under quarantine, so we are still on the interwebs. So we, um, we're we going to tackle some touchy subjects today, as as Dana talked about. You know, politics is big. Politics is big everywhere. It shouldn't be as big as it is in the kingdom of God, but unfortunately, even for those of us who inhabit the kingdom of God, politics can still become it. Even me just saying it, I bet some of you guys sat up in your seats right now. Even just hearing me mention it, they're like, uh-oh. And normally we try to stay away from things like this because this is not a political show. And our intention here is not to steer you towards any political party nor any political candidate. But our intention here today is to kind of delve into the question of why there is such a commingling of our theology, our faith, and our politics. Why is that why is that commingling there, right? Why is there such an in, an entanglement? If you know the recent social media hashtags, that's a little joke. But why is there, you know, why is there such an entangling of our faith and politics when there shouldn't be? Right? We 
we should be able to exist outside of that sphere. So I'll actually want to launch from a particular scripture. Um, it is in Timothy. And Paul tells Timothy something very interesting in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's 2 Timothy 2. Chapter Second Timothy chapter two verses one and two. Sorry, I kind of got a little tongue tied there. All those twos, two, two, two. Second Timothy chapter two verses one and two. Uh, he says, um, "So you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and entrust what you heard me say in the presence of many others as witnesses to faithful people who will be competent to teach others as well." Take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one in military service gets entangled in matters of everyday life. Otherwise, he will not please the one who recruited him. If anyone competes as an athlete, he will not be crowned as the winner unless he competes according to the rules. And so I I thought that that was just a, a really good launching point because some of these things that we find ourselves constantly bickering about, they find their roots and their source here in the earth. And, you know, he's instructing Timothy to kind of steer clear of some of that. You know, steer, be careful. He's, he, you know, he's saying, Timothy, be careful. You are one who is called into the service of the Most High God. Do not be entangled. He didn't say don't be unaware, right? Yeah, sometimes we have to listen to what the scriptures say. Don't be unaware of earthly affairs. He just said, do not find yourself entangled in them, right? Why? Because they're very, they can very easily kind of pull you and you find yourself in another realm away from the proclamation of the kingdom of God. So what do you guys think on, on just, I mean, because we're in, in, a, in an election year, right? This is 2020 in the United States. We're in an election year and, you know, everything is riled up just like it was in 2016 and 2012 and so on and so forth. And, you know, typically this is when you see all the skeletons come out the closet and, you know, different brothers and different sisters who you didn't know. And all of a sudden you see them, you're like, whoa, where did this person come from? And you realize politics just turned them into, you know, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They turn into a whole new creature once the election season comes out. What do, what do you guys think about things like that? When you see people begin to sort of change and manifest and sort of, you know, go gung-ho into whatever direction, whether conservative, liberal, libertarian, you know, whatever. What, what sorts of things, you know, come, come into your heart when you see that? I'll go for me. Uh, I'll speak for myself and the way I kind of view <clears throat> getting in and in, participating in some of these these rights that have been kind of granted to us, such as voting. And I think the key aspect of picking a particular candidate to vote for or to not vote for is what you feel like the Lord has kind of given you oppression, impression of who to kind of lean towards. I think by nature, the process on how each candidate kind of goes after one another, it's just that's just a given. They're going to slander each other with all their, you know, commercialized things that, that they present through the airways and through TV and so forth. But I think the the best way to try to get through is to, you know, be sensitive to what the Lord is saying and to 
if there is a particular candidate, because it it may not be one to to kind of uh, choose. So I think that's one of the the ways that I personally kind of uh, navigate through that. I don't know what your what your thoughts are, Dana. <clears throat> yeah, I just think the area of politics is just one of the realms in which we see uh, underlying what I consider to be wave of something God is trying to bring uh, to the attention of man. And that is our allegiance. You know, where do we lend our loyalty and where do we lend our allegiance? Most people will tell you they've been instructed not to talk about two things, religion and politics, because they're very divisive subjects, you know, and nobody wants to get into anything that's going to cause them to be befriended on Facebook or maybe be at odds with a best friend or, you know, get them expelled from their job because they shouldn't have been talking about these things. But I'm reminded that, you know, whenever you bring heat, uh, you bring out the impurities of the things in which heat is applied to. And I believe the political climate the last couple of years have been one where the Lord has been applying a lot of heat to our nation. And as a result, Usually we pick a king based upon the heart of the people. And so in 2016, we saw Donald Trump elected because he reflected what was going on in the heart of the people of our nation. And therefore they picked their king. And since the king has been picked in a democratic process, uh, as you you know, as well as I know, um, this does not mean that we look at this and bring it into the realm of Christianity and call Donald Trump's, you know, God's anointed or or God's uh, uh, established ruler in the earth, uh, because our allegiance our allegiance is always to the King Jesus Christ, and that's who we look to as King. So when you have a dual view of which King, uh, basically, are you going to have your allegiance to? I think that that's what brings a pretty what I call intensive environment. And also, both of these uh, kings bring a different culture. And I want to just conclude by saying that I'm reminded of the scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter number 10, verse number 34. Jesus says this, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword, you know. And then he goes on to say, I come to divide you know, uh, let me just read verse number 35 in there because I think it's important. For I've come to turn, he says, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So the same thing Jesus says that he comes not to bring peace, but he's coming to bring division between these relationships. You would think, what kind of loving God would want to do something like that? Why would he want to bring division or a sword in these type of relationships? Well, it's not him. It's that when truth is being uh, unveiled, it will, it will it will it will determine whether or not what you know what side you choose to be upon, and you have to make a choice. And as a result of that, whatever you give allegiance to, sometimes that will make divisions because one person allegiance will be to the king of the kingdom of heaven, whereas another person allegiance would be more to the kings of the earth. So we have to make that choice. That's actually really good that you bring up that word allegiance, Dana. And it's it's a little touchy because you have to think for those of us who are citizens of this particular nation, since we were young children, we've been taught to pledge allegiance to the nation, to the flag, 
And it's not until you come into God's house and you realize, wow, Lord, I've been doing this nearly my entire life. I've been pledging allegiance to a particular thing. And, you know, I heard a question asked recently that if the nation that I've pledged allegiance to goes to war with some other nation, any nation, doesn't matter, and people in that other nation who are in the house of God, who are in the family of God, happen to be injured, even killed. Is my heart for this nation that I've pledged allegiance to? Or is my heart for the people of people in my family, quote unquote? If I'm in the house of God, they are in the family of God. I my my heart should be for the family of God that is getting injured and or killed and maimed in some other nation. And so it it really calls into question the citizenship that we truly value. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, my citizenship is in heaven. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Are you really? And then all God has to do is really, you know, just ask us a couple of questions. And immediately we're challenged. It doesn't even have to go that deep. You ask one or two questions and, and it's instantly. I may have even just challenged someone who heard me mention that statement because I was challenged when I heard it. When I heard it, it challenged me to my core. I said, wow. Man, I didn't. I, I didn't realize that I, you know, you kind of do some of these things subconsciously, um, and I, I don't know. It's I think it's our tendency. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's it's kind of our tendency to always want to kind of get a seat at the table of power. Yeah, I think I think there's two things, right? I think when coming into the kingdom, there is an initial kind of challenge to what you initially believed up until whatever point in life that you're at. And then you begin to explore your freedoms as a believer. And then it may come to a point where you think about, you know, this country that you're living in, whatever country we'll just for now, I mean, we're going to use the context of the U S and then you think about, you know, like the roots of what, you know, brought about this particular country and the back history and the unfortunate things that have happened historically to make the United States, the United States is what it is now. And then I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to that kind of still challenging where our beliefs are in the sense of, are you a, a citizen of the United States and whatever that kind of comes with whatever rights that is, or are you going to be a citizen in the kingdom and make that a higher precedent of what you live up to and stand by? So just some, some thoughts. Yeah. You know, the amazing thing is how does politics get one to the point, like Amadi says, to, to murder, you know, how does a, a ruler uh, who we supposed to respect as a nation declare war on say, for example, another country uh, for the wrong motives? You know, what are we to do in those particular situations? You know, it's horrific. When I begin to think about politics, I begin to think about, I don't know if you guys recall the pipe bombs that was sent to uh, political leaders. Right. You know, uh, that was, <laughs> people were kind of baffled by that. You know, how will we, how do we as a nation come to a point where we're sending pipe bombs to our leaders and where we're killing people in Jewish synagogues or, you know, there's mass shootings at a mosque because of their beliefs, you know, how do we come to a point um, 
where we will want to murder someone, you know, over our allegiance saying, you know, quote unquote, Marty's talk about war, but I'm talking about within our own nation, you know, the very spirit that will take us to war, we see happening right now within the politics, even of our nation. I, I was reading a book and it really blessed me because what it went back and did, this particular gentleman, he went back and he did some research. And the research that he did, he went to study uh, other nations and um, uh, one particular nation. And I want to, I, I basically want to launch open a conversation about how this particular nation uh, came to a point where they start murdering each other. And millions of people died because of one word, you know, the spirit of the political. You know, how do we drive people to kill, you know, because of politics? That's very disturbing to me. It it sort of, you know, it it sort of gets me to, okay, like the scriptures say, you know, how were you led astray in James? You know, where it says, you know, how were you led astray? You're led astray by your own desires. And I've, you know, I've, I've wrestled with this, the one political ideology, and I don't mean politics in general, I mean, but this particular point, you know, the, the one particular political ideology says that we stand on morality and this and that and the other, and they hide behind the guise of, because we're, you know, we're believers, we're, we're Christians, of, of course we stand on this thing. But if anyone wants to do some, you know, some quick research, you can go back and see that this this particular political arm was willing to back someone who who worshipped another god because it wasn't really about what they were saying it was about they were willing to back someone who aligned with their cultural views as opposed to anything pertaining to the kingdom and i said wow lord so that's how strong things again these are all earthly matters that's how strong it can be to sway me completely away from the kingdom of God or even people who are saying that they represent the kingdom of God. You know, and I've and I've had to ask myself this question and it's a very hard question. I've had a couple of brothers say some say similar things to me that maybe they're just not walking in the kingdom, you know, because there's a there's a book called um, 12 Lies that that hold America captive. And in chapter one, the gentleman writes that what a lot of people are calling quote unquote Christianity is just an old American folk religion. It's not, it's not real Christianity. And he says, you know, this whole notion of God and country, you know, family, God and country. He's like, that's not, that's not anything biblical. That's American folk religion. And he goes down into, a, I mean, just through a litany of things that we sort of believe and through the years have kind of been, attached to Christianity but when you just kind of peel off a couple layers he's like you know yeah those things don't find their roots <laughs> none of those things find their roots in Christianity it's an American folk religion that we sort of pinned as oh you know we're a Christian nation you know and I think that we have to look at these things if, if we are claiming citizenship in, in the kingdom of God um, we, we have to look at these things now I want to read one other scripture I'm kind of hanging out in in uh, Timothy here, but it's First Timothy, chapter two, verses one and two. More twos. First Timothy, chapter two, verses one and two. So this is Paul writing to Timothy again, and he says, first of all, I urge that um, 
Urgent prayers, requests, intercessions, and thanks be offered on behalf of the people and even for the kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And I thought, man, how many of these folks are living a quiet life? Christians are some of the loudest people right now. We are some of the loudest people when it comes to this political sphere and this election cycle. We are literally some of the most loudest people. And Paul is saying, Timothy, here, when it comes to kings and those in authority, man, just give prayers and intercession and thanksgiving for them. Yeah. Sometimes leaders do good things. Give thanksgiving. Say, hey, man, I'm glad that this guy is doing this. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But go about the business of expanding God's kingdom. Live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness. We're out here beating the drum, drawing attention, <laughs> and, and, and just, you know, with, with a megaphone and, and everything else, just asking for trouble. And I just, when I look at it, I say, man, we are clawing for a seat of uh, at the table of power. If, you know, if this isn't sort of the characteristics of people who are dying to have a seat at the table, I don't know what is. Yeah, I think what you're you're pinpointing, Amadi, is that that pursuit of power, the lust for power, um, it becomes a driving force, right? And I think it begins to uh, the idea the idea of it pushing us in alignment with a, a particular party, and thinking that you're going to share in some semblance of participation on whatever the political party is going to be doing with you is is so far-fetched you're in a completely different realm and there's there's much more required to get into the inner circle of the political party that i don't think that people even have uh taken the thought or the idea to to pursue because it'll cost more of yourself to be more in alignment or entangled, if you will, I'll stick to that word that you kind of brought up initially <laughs> to be part of that inner circle. There will be much more costly things like you were mentioning before, Dana, like to murder somebody or to murder a particular type of people. And I think we've seen this historically. We've seen this with the Roman Empire specifically that has aligned itself or taken alignment with the with Christianity and and I'll just make mention to it. I'm not going to go into great detail. It was 313 AD that initially that kind of sparked off. And then 10 years later, it officially became the state religion uh, for Rome. Um, but, yeah, that that pursuit of power and thinking that there is a celebration that you'll be participating with them is such a false idea. And it's such a lie, quite honestly. Yeah. You know, and that's so true. There's There comes a time in the season where we have to literally allow the Lord to do in his judgment within the world because he judged us. And then, of course, he goes out and he judged the world. So we have to know how to allow the Lord to do his work within the world system in order for us to be able to, um, you know, come in afterwards and give a standard of hope for those who don't understand what exactly is going on. I believe we're in a season where we're going to have to articulate with boldness uh, some of the things that's in our heart. Um, I do believe you have to know 
as you mature, which season you're in. Sometimes there's a season award. There's not a season award. You think about it. Think about John the Baptist with Herod. Herod was a king, you know. John the Baptist saw something um, within Herod's family <clears throat> that was very unrighteous. He saw the divorcing, the switching of wives, you know, the immorality that was happening within Herod's family. And that's what got him arrested. You know, Herod arrested John because he spoke against the fact that, um, you know, what they were doing was against what I consider to be Jewish law at that time. What they were doing was against the word. So a prophet's fear sometimes can speak not only to the body, but speak into the areas within the world, whether that be politics, whether that be the educational realm, banking, it can, that, that gift can extend itself as God gives it grace and insight to speak into different areas. Now, as a result of John doing that, it cost him his head. <laughs> you know, it definitely cost him his head. But think one of the things the Lord has been having me to meditate upon is what does it mean to be neutral? Because what you said, Amadi, um, about us living a peaceful life, what a lot of Christians have interpreted as is neutrality. You know, basically, they're not against one or they're not against the other. They just have this neutral point. And so, therefore, they have no voice. And I have a concern with that because I believe the reason people are neutral is because they lack conviction. If you cannot stand up and voice against injustice, and God, one of God's characteristics is he's a just God. If you can't stand up and be a voice against any type of injustice, no matter what sphere it's in in the world, then basically what are you standing for? Because nobody will know it. So there's a delicate balance. I hear exactly what you're saying, Amadi, but I believe in this season we have to be bold and strong because the demonic is presenting itself very boisterous and very loud. And even the proverb says, until those who are boisterous be boisterous, you know, basically. You know, you boast back at them. It comes a time where we have to confront the very things that oppose us. And then as we move past that, praise for prayerfully, you know, there'd be, there'd be a season of, of, of peace. <laughs> so for those listening, Dana, what would you say is are those times when um, or opportunities where we should look to 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 be bold? And, you know, and meet, you know, meet if for lack of a better term, meet fire with fire, you know, where we, yeah. don't, you know, don't just go run and hide, you know, in the quote unquote in the church house or right now you can't, you know, Rona's in the church house, but you can go hide someplace else. But, you know, kind of rather than running and hiding, but meeting, you know, and meeting it in the street if necessary. Yes. You know, of course, we'd be obedient wherever our father tell us to be obedient. If he puts on our heart. Uh, to speak against a certain issue or a certain area. Like I know I almost got crucified because I called attention to uh, some of the immorality in our current administration. You know, of course, um, Don Jr. has just divorced his wife and basically um, has a new girlfriend. And someone else uh, recently divorced their wife um, in that same camp and, of course, have a, a girlfriend. And then we're learning about Sean Hannity. And, you know, so all of those who tie, I'm, one of the things I see is all of those who tie to a particular culture or belief, and especially a party. You know, 
I'm looking at this from a kingdom perspective now, and I'm not looking at this from being a libertarian or a Democrat. What I'm saying is that I see a pattern here because how do we know that Don Jr. had a girlfriend and he divorced his wife? It's because the same guy who divorced his wife over a woman, they had their wedding on the Trump golf course. And Donald Trump Jr. comes in in a helicopter and basically flaunts his new girlfriend in front of everybody where he just divorced his wife a week later. Man, that's some immorality you can speak against. And you're not speaking against the, uh, you know, the people choice of trying to defend it. You're just speaking about something you see. You, you wonder, why are all these corrupt people? Why are all these people that experience immorality, the very things that they're concerned that if Trump is not president, that people will fall under the immorality of the left. Why is it we're seeing immorality live right before us in supposedly a quote-unquote Christian uh, culture and not say anything or feel like, you know, you can say something that speaks against that type of immorality? So when people see that, they think you're you're not conveying the culture of the kingdom, but they think you're attacking, you know, basically what they hold as a person in allegiance. And that's why a lot of people really like, who are you? Who are you to speak against? Who are you to think this? Who are you to remind somebody of their past? This is not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about nobody's past because God, he puts a pole, a fishing pole uh, sign on our, on, on, our on, on the waters of our past where he hides our sin to say no more fishing. So I'm not talking about going into anybody's past. What I'm saying is a living reality, if you have any type of discernment, is the climate and the environment we're in right now? Yeah, no, I, I am. Um, I'm actually going back and, and reading a, a book again about culture, <clears throat> and one of the statements in the book is, um, "Doesn't matter how great an idea is, if the person sharing the idea does not align with us culturally, many times people will dismiss it." And it's been shown through studies that it could be a great idea. Wonderful idea, but if, it's, if, if it comes from someone that I don't align with culturally, I will throw it to the side. And conversely, it could be the worst idea, but if it comes from someone that I align with, oh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can look at that. And so, again, this is where I think politics in general have clouded. You know, has really clouded the the mind of the believer. Like you, what, like you just said, Dana, to, to look past such gross misconduct. You know, to to look past such gross acts of of sin, um, but because an individual may align with us culturally, we sweep those things under the rug. When God calls us, you know, to to be watchmen, and you know, this is where I, th- I think we have sort of lost some of our saltiness. You know that that used to be a scripture when I was young in the Lord. It used to really puzzle me when the scripture would say, you know. And can the salt lose its salt? And so I'm like, how can salt lose its salt? Like, I really was like, God, if someone is, and it, you know, the more you walk these things out, you realize, okay, wow, like we as a people are losing our saltiness. Like the the believers, you know, the, the witness, I'm talking about macro level because people love to say, well, that's not me or I don't do those one things. And you forget we are a collective. We are a body. God sees us that way. The enemy sees us that way. The world sees us that way. We are the only ones who try to segment ourselves. You know, I, I tell people all the time when I talk about things like this and they'll say, well, not me or not. My. I'm like, do you think the enemy just wants to take you out? 
the enemy's trying to kill every last Joker. He doesn't care. Everybody's going to get it if he could. If he had a chance to, the Bible says, if the if it was possible, the very elect would be deceived. Yes, we are. We are one, and so when you see that as a collective, we are losing our saltiness because of the ways in which we have allowed politics or any particular uh, political agenda or ideology to cloud our judgment to really cloud our judgment and allow and and make us feel comfortable aligning with certain things you know it should set off alarms for those of us who have the holy if you have the holy spirit these things should your alarm should be blaring right now that you know and whether it's you know either side of the political spectrum your alarm should be going crazy right now yes and you know the scripture says if you break one law you've broken them all you know, we have these political laws that people sort of vie is more important than one is more important than the other. So when you, let's take the law of abortion and talking about taking of life. You know, um, that's a firm belief and embrace belief in many, in many, you know, that if you take an unborn life, you just basically that's it for me. And then you have others who basically say, you know, the pride of an individual if you can't listen to anybody, if you only listen to yourself and if you're just, you know, ruling as a leader to basically uh, make decisions that benefit you, then that's a pride that I just can't, you know, vote for again in the future. So we have these laws that we've attached that if people follow these laws, we can follow them. And the Lord said, if you break one of these laws, you've broken them all. You know, because the purpose of the law is to bring us to Christ. And this is what this is doing. This is bringing back Christ. You know, tragically, what I was mentioning before, Amadi, I was talking about the uh, the genocide, the Rwanda genocide in 1994. Um, I was reading how one million total uh, Rwandans were killed. Mm. One million, yeah. including 800,000 minority uh, Tudis at the hands of the Huddas. And one of the things they discovered when they went back, and I was looking at the research, let me, this is the part that really perplexed me. Not only did Rwandans kill Rwandans, but family killed family. Mm. Neighbors killed neighbors. Even some of the husbands killed their wives. Mm. Christians killed fellow Christians. Like you said, Monty, can we do that? And what made the tragedy, when I begin to look at all the data, what made the tragedy even more baffling is that 90% of the Rwandan population claimed that it was Christian. Oh, wow. 90%. Can you imagine that? 90% of the Rwandan population said it was Christian. But yet we had neighbors killing neighbors, Christian killing Christians, brothers killing brothers, all in a 100-day span, 100 million people died. But they were 90% a Christian nation. In the days of Hitler, they did a survey, Amadi. I went and checked it out. 90% again claimed they were Christians. What did that tell you? What does that tell you? That tells you that we have to examine that word Christian and how people are using it, even in the areas of politics, because I believe, I believe it can be an unholy thing Mm. instead of a people of God if we don't have a a clear revelation of what it is. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I was just having a conversation with, with a brother like two days ago and I said, man, we are going to have to begin to analyze who we're calling brother. And that's going to be a hard thing to do. But in the season that we're coming in, you know, he had called me about some things that he saw that was troubling him. And I just began to share my heart and I said, man, listen, 
we're, you're going to have to analyze who you are calling brother in this time. We're going to have to go back to inspecting fruit and drop these labels. You know, so, oh, so-and-so's a, oh, they, they go to that church. Oh, yeah, oh, you know, that all that stuff, that has to go out the window. And I need to look at the fruit of the life of a person. And the people, um, you know, for those listening, you know, many of the people that are claiming membership in the family of God, I'm sorry to say, are not members. Jesus said, hey, what did they say? You know, Lord, didn't we cast out this in that name, in, in your name? And didn't we do that in your name? He says, hey, depart from me. I never knew you. And the Lord showed me that scripture because, you know, when I first came across him when I was a young believer, I would just think, oh, man, Lord, how could you do that? The Holy Spirit had me to revisit that, you know, several years ago. And he says, the scripture says, I never knew you. It didn't say I knew you and then we kind of fell out of relationship. You know, I lost your number. No, he says, I never knew you. That means from the very beginning, you were never mine. Just by just because you displayed some gifts and talents does not, you know, certify your membership in the family of God. And so just, you know, for those listening, you know, really, really ask the Lord to begin to check your heart, because a lot of the people that we are saying are members of the family of God, they are not. That's a tough pill to swallow for all of us, myself included. There are many people who the Lord is showing me, hey, that what they're saying is not true. And I'm, I'm having to evaluate relationships. And I'm like, wow, really, Lord? He's like, this person, the statements that they are making are false witnesses. So <laughs> for for everybody listening, you know, I think what Dana's saying is so spot on. A nation that's claiming 90% Christian, right? We're all we're all Christians. Everybody's Christian here. Hey, hey, kill that Jew. Hey, hey, we're all Christians here. God loves us. Kill that Rwandan over there. Kill that Hootsie, that Tootsie. It doesn't matter. That that speaks more of their membership than the statement that they made calling themselves a Christian or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, we got to really examine these things. Yeah, I think I think there has to be. I mean, it's tough to say that we're not like them in respect to bringing down sex uh, the individual groups of Christians, but there has to be a distinction between, you know, those are truly that are following the way and those who, who are not. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's really sad, uh, Dana, that, that statistics that you were sharing about these major genocidal events, that these are primary, primarily so-called believe gun about, about the, uh, you know, the genocide. Um, and, and I was just going to make a point uh, about what what you mentioned before, Marty, about the the folks, you know, the salt, uh, the f- folks who are believers losing their saltiness, if you will. I think especially now <clears throat> you're seeing that people having a lot of time on their hand and may not be necessarily making the best use of it. And so there's idleness. There's things that can perpetuate you know, bringing a distance between their relationship with the Lord. And so I think those things are are starting to grow, uh, grow distant. You know, the relationship that one may have with, with the Lord and having these opportunities to kind of just mull over these, these ideas. um, It's, it's a bad recipe, I think. Yes. And what we're seeing is, you know, 
ministers versus sons, Zion versus Babylon. You know, we're seeing the division brought by God because Jesus preached the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And what we did when Jesus preached the kingdom, we came with with churchanity. We came with Christianity instead of kingdom. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of the church or the gospel of Christianity. So God is correcting that gigantic error. That's what God is doing. He's showing us clearly and distinctly that we're going to have to fall on one side. You have to understand, are you a part of the kingdom, which means you're under the sovereign rule of God, or are you are a part of church entity or what we call Christianity today, which means you're under the rule of the guidance of that governing body who is under the rule of the government and the state. Mm. You know, you have to make that distinction. Who rule are you under? That will tell you basically what what you belong to as far as a culture and a family that will definitely tell you that amen amen so on that ladies and gentlemen we do thank you for listening um i think we're going to continue this conversation we have to you know for those of us growing and maturing we got to make some decisions you know first like jude says first examine yourself you know find out how much politics has potentially swayed your judgment and clouded your vision and then we got to begin to, you know, evaluate some of these relationships that we may be walking in and make sure that, you know, individuals that we may be in relationship with are not being clouded and leading us astray. Because this is not the time, you know, we're not in a season, you know, to be wasting too much time with civilian affairs. So we want to definitely thank Dana so much for joining us today. I think it was so enriching and such, such a blessing um, to have, you know, when you have those mature voices. He's clean shaven now, but Dana's a gray beard. You know, he's he's our gray beard. Um, it's you know, it's it's definitely important as you grow and mature to to walk with those who have gone before you. Marty and Ragu is always good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh man, thank you for coming. That thank was you for great. Yeah. Thank you for being here. So we we're we're gonna continue this discussion, folks, about theolitics and this commingling. <laughs> Um, but we do thank you all for listening. Again, as always, check us out on divemedia.co um, and wherever podcasts are disseminated. And so for Ragu and Dana, this is Amadi saying bye-bye. I left an institution, now that's some real talk, live right the execution, now that's some real wall, stay cool, cause outside my dude is real hot, got bodies outlined out here in real chalk. I left the institution, real talk, living right the execution, real walk, and stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside, and get your body outlined and chalk. I left the institution, real talk, living right the execution, real walk. Stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside and get your body outlined and chalk. Stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. Stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot. Stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside and get your body outlined and chalk.